Thank you for joining us on a Morally Podcast with Tony May. Morally Podcast is purpose built for America. Through our military veterans and military supporters, we show that the values and qualities that built this country, such as service, sacrifice, respect, and faith, are not dead. A Morally Podcast builds community so individuals can improve their communities. Welcome to a Morally Podcast with Tony Maine. This is going to be a great segment. I have Charles Chuck Eastman, a longtime friend, a rager buddy, a night stalker with us today. He's part of an organization called Stop Soldier Suicide. I can't wait to get into that. But first, happy Veterans Day to you, my friend. Thank you, Tony. Same to you. It's great to be on. We love having you on, Charles. You've always been such a great supporter of of what we uh, try to do with Ranger for Life, with Gallant Few. If there's a Ranger organization, you support when it makes sense. And now it is wonderful to kind of tell the story of what you're doing with Stop Soldier Suicide. Absolutely love whose ever idea it was to put your mission statement as your name. How did you end up with Stop Soldier Suicide? Well, it's, it's funny, Tony. I, I'm not a mental health expert. Um, you you and I served together in 375. I went on to go fly and then retired. Uh, ended up doing a business development job for L3 Harris. And uh, I found myself a little, little lacking for a sense of purpose and meaning. Uh, so I left that job and I didn't even have anything lined up. So uh, I reached out to my buddy and I said, dude, I've I've got to find something more meaningful. He said, why don't you talk to Nick Black? I'm like, well, who's Nick Black? So Nick was one of the co-founders of Stop Soldier Suicide. And I talked to Nick for about five minutes and I was in. I mean, that, and at this time, I mean, you have a child, you've got a wife and, and Marjorie was successful in her army career as well, but did not retire. So that was a, that's a pretty big leap for this purposeful employment. It, it, it really was. I look back on it and think maybe that wasn't a great idea. Um, but I was I was determined enough to have a sense of purpose in what I did. You know, I always told myself I would do the Army as long as the Army was still fun. Um, you know, I even turned down a promotion to retire. I was I was pretty tired. Um, and I, my son was five at the time. I really wanted to watch him grow up and to be present and to have a job that they said, eh, 50 percent of the time you'll be on the road, turn into 80, 85 percent of the time to be in a hotel or an airport, not to be able to see him grow up. It just didn't make it worth it. Um, so I knew that finding something more meaningful really would make a difference the other day. You talk about the goodness of the military retirement for those that are eight to 10 years in, when we look at purposeful employment, a lot of us that have it and really have some flexibility come from that military retirement, but you've just recently I believe received a new title of director of strategic partnerships with Stop Soldier Suicide. So let's get it. Let's get into the organization a little bit about from the founding and and, and what y'all were doing, what you are doing. I think we had there on the introduction like this targeted approach to reduce to to really numerically save people's lives. Yes, for sure. So. Going back to that guy, Nick Black, uh, he and the other co-founder uh, were serving the Korangal Valley in 2007. Uh, anyone that knows Afghanistan knows that Korangal Valley in 2007 was not a very good place. Um, 
he was in ticks probably daily for about 12 months and he came back and he lost more guys to suicide in the first six months than he did in the entire 12 months of combat. Uh, so he and the other co-founders bought a 1-800 number and they were like, we got to do something. So they just took phone calls and they would talk to guys and gals that were veterans, active duty, um, that were just looking for resources. So over the years, we kind of evolved. Um, we were resource and referral strictly in the very beginning. And then we had kind of a, like on a volunteer basis, then an internship basis. And then about three and a half years ago, our chief program officer came on board and he had come from the state suicide prevention uh, for 16 years. And he brought with him some of the leading experts in suicide prevention. And uh, together we, we created a unique service model uh, that's really not done anywhere else. It has a, you know, one of a kind, you know, intake and risk assessment process that's developed by one of the people or the doctors on our scientific advisory committee and then past the intake you know then we use what we call cams which is a collaborative assessment management of suicidality so that's really talking with the veteran or soldier act duty about their suicide risk how to manage it um, and then you know teach them some of the triggers how do they get around it how do they how do they have a safety plan if they start having uh, these negative emotions and then a step down process into certified life coaching. Um, so it's, it's a wraparound case management, high touch, high frequency. It's 100% free. It's hundred percent confidential. And we serve any and all veterans regardless of period served or discharge status. Well, you mentioned one thing. So stop soldier, suicide soldier, but as you mentioned, all active duty and all veterans, regardless of branch, Right. Yep. It's just a decision was made in branding to, to go with what got you to the party. Right. To, yep. to keep that name. But let's go in a little bit deeper. Like, let, let's say that I'm a service member. I'm a veteran um, who 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 how am I going to come to stop soldier suicide? And, and then and then talk me through. You said case management. So am I am I being passed off? Um, what's what's my flash to, to bang if say that there's an a, an ideation that I at least consider to be you know, to warrant me to want to seek help. That, that is 100% what we avoid is, you know, handoff to handoff to handoff. Um, it, it's so frequent that we hear some of our clients just say, man, I'm so tired of just falling through the cracks. If they went through, and I'm not disparaging the VA, if they went to the VA and the, the VA handed them off to another resource and they hand them off to another resource. Um, so our case managers uh, receive clinical oversight from a clinical director um and they stay with our clients 100 of the way to the to the point that one of the coordinators met up with one of our clients in downtown durham and walked into the the vet center in person because he didn't feel comfortable unless she was there so it's you know i don't want to say hand in hand um but we don't allow them to fall through the cracks so that that's a warm handoff for anything we do so we kind of have two parallel paths you know we have the clinical modality um that's the cams and uh you know, the case approach, but then kind of in parallel, we have, we still do resourcing and referrals. So if there's a veteran, that's a client of ours and we're helping them manage their suicidality. And we learn that they happen to like horses. We can find them some equine therapy. Um, it, we really meet the veteran where they are and meet them what their needs are at that, at that current time. Well, so your, but your case managers can't be everywhere. I would think so. Let, let's say this is someone in from Wichita, Kansas, yep. who gets an intake. Is it is it 
Is it partnerships with local coordinators so that you have that hand in hand relationship nationwide? Yeah, and that, that's really what my role evolved into during the pandemic was, you know, we, we've had literally thousands of um, resources across the country. We have clients in 50 states. Um, but it, my role really grew from a community affairs manager, which community didn't exist very much in COVID, uh, to more of a national outreach and developing partnerships with outside organizations. So how the, what that would look like is, so we were, t- we were doing telehealth before telehealth was cool. Um, sure. We've always been doing it over the phone. We test. We were starting to test over video uh, teletherapy before COVID even hit. Um, so we have a resource and referral and benefits coordinator that works hand in hand with the uh, with the wellness coordinator. So the wellness coordinator is learning about needs or desires for what they may want to do, and then our resource and referral and benefits coordinator is reaching out to these you know unique locations. So there may be a resource that. You know, the person is like in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and they just need a food bank. And we're able to get them that food bank because we do the research on our end. We make the connection and then the wellness coordinator is able to make that connection for the veteran. So it's it's literally just handing them off to the resource that they need. So with, with the epidemic that's a suicide has really become, how are you all overtaxed in, in terms of Meet, meeting the needs. I mean, there's been growth. That's why there's a need for more partnerships. But I, I would think that, goodness gracious, that, that y'all are pre- pretty pretty stressed to deliver your services to in, ensure that kind of continued care. So we we doubled in size in 2020, and we're hoping to add another 10 wellness coordinators by the end of the year. Um, you know, crisis work by nature, you know, from the clinical aspect is stressful and has a high turnover rate. Uh, we're a very high up, up tempo organization. Uh, we're small enough to maintain, you know, some flexibility. We can still be nimble in our decisions. Um, but to talk about the need, uh, when Afghanistan fell, the, that first weekend we had a sixty percent increase in clients. The following weekend, one hundred and twenty percent increase in clients, and the weekend after that was ninety percent increase. And we had twenty six prior clients that had graduated our program come back in to be clients again. So it's it's really 2020 was a bad year all by itself. 2021 turned into not a great ending in August from the fall of Afghanistan. So lots of growth. I would assume that some of the growth is because you're seeing the metrics and the trends that y'all are making a difference. We kind of put on there the have a targeted approach that you're kind of looking where is the need greatest to almost you know, swarm the objective to get over overwhelming uh, combat power on the objective where we are seeing um, the, those pockets. Where are where are those pockets nationally that y'all kind of defined? So I'll answer that by a CDC study from 2016 that identified that 33% of veteran suicide took place in 4% of the counties within 16 states that they studied. So you let that sink in for a second. That's a third of all suicides in just 4% of the locales. So that's partly based off of a population density and it's partly based off of uh, where the majority of veterans end up settling. Uh, so if you look at the United States, we're almost like a crescent. We kind of come up the East Coast, down across the Southern states, and then back up through California to Washington. That's really where 85% of our clients reside. 
Wow. So what makes those individual pockets different? Are you and your team in business partnership trying to fill those locales with more services as you receive funding? Do you look to swarm those areas a little bit more? Yeah. So so one of the things I love about this organization is how we use data. Um, You know, it's like you and I are used to intelligence. You know, Intel drives operations. For us, data is driving client acquisition. So, uh, you know, we're a nonprofit, but our our marketing and advertising team is very much run like a for-profit business. So using uh, keyword analytics with Google for better client acquisition, uh, uh, geofencing with Facebook. Uh, so we have a concerted effort with Fort Carson right now because they're CG and Sergeant Major Nash. You remember him? He's the CG of Fourth Idea right now. Adam Nash, one of, one of the best. Yep, working directly with them. And if you look at our map of where all our clients are, it's kind of how I explained with the, the crescent, with little pockets here and there, but then there's a big pocket right in the middle of Fort Carson, Colorado. Uh, so we're, we're very refined at using the data for where the veterans are. And, and some of it's driven off of uh, grant deliverables like New York City. It's like fourth the number of veterans, but the second least number of veteran suicide. But the New York State Health Foundation award us a grant that required to focus our efforts in the five boroughs in New York City. So that just naturally grew client acquisition in New York City. All right. And so what about organizations that may be listening, the folks that are listening in terms of thinking, well, I know an organization that's either helped me, it's helped a friend, another service member. How, how does that work in terms of becoming part of the Stop Soldier Suicide team? So when I first started, you and I had a conversation early on and I was like, hey, if you run into anybody that needs some help, let me know or let the organization know. And I've learned that it's not that simple. Um, <laughs> it's not that simple because, you know, three years ago, 80% of our clients were low risk, 20% were high risk. And with our marketing team efforts, we flipped that to 80% high risk and 20% low risk. So our ideal client is one of the 6,000 plus that's going to die by suicide next year. So when we just generically throw spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks with a nonprofit organization or any other organization, it it doesn't always yield the best results. Uh, so we've had the best luck working with organizations that have a built-in uh, suicide screening process. Uh, so like the Lone Survivor Foundation, they have a great PTSD week-long seminar. They have a clinical director on their team that screens for suicide risk. Uh, the boot campaign, um, or Hope for a Warriors, you know, just other organizations that have a built-in screener. And I'm, I'm not saying we wouldn't help any veteran. Uh, we we would. Any period served, any discharge status, like I said. I mean, I work with Sergeant Major Hall frequently on Three Rangers Foundation on, you know, he'll kind of flip someone across the fence like, hey, do you mind talking with this guy and just kind of seeing if everything's good? Uh, and we've, we've required some clients that way. Um, so I'm not saying that it has to be a clinical screener or assessment for suicide risk, but that really is the most effective way uh, for identifying the veterans most at need. Well, that makes sense. That goes back to data, doesn't it? You have more data points through through those clinical clinical assessments. So you've mentioned the VA before, and yep. I, I would say that the VA um, reputation based on, I mean, it serves so many veterans 
that you you can have a lot of a lot of opinions on on either way. Are you all able to work with the VA at all? Is is there an integration? Is there a sharing of of, of data at least at least coming from you sending it to the VA? How is how how are y'all? Are you trying to influence maybe what the VA does through your successes? So we we feel that since we don't receive federal dollars uh, for our programs, that it allows us a certain amount of flexibility to really adapt our program uh, to best serve the veterans. Uh, the VA is a behemoth. And I will say to your original question, if we work with them, it depends. Uh, there are some VAs that their suicide prevention coordinators, they very much have this, yep, we got it, thanks, but we don't need your help. And then there's others that refer us clients every week. Uh, so it really depends. Uh, the VA is actually rolling out a program called the uh, Community Engagement Partnership Coordinator position that kind of resides over the suicide prevention coordination team. And they are taking, as I've heard from another VA uh, employee, it's, they're calling it Suicide Prevention 2.0 uh, because what they did previously was not working. Uh, so this new position is kind of being more involved with the community, finding organizations, finding nonprofits, finding out what's working and making that an option for the, the veterans that are enrolled in the VA. Because seven out of 10 veteran suicides are not enrolled in VA care. I mean, that is that is absolutely astounding. It is. I, I think for, for some, some people to hear, one thing we do on, on the nonprofit side with Ranger for Life is we ensure that all of our folks, they submit that initial VA claim, not, not necessarily, for that disability compensation, but that is the reception and integration. I mean, there is no requirement. I don't know how many Americans are that. There's no requirement to be in the VA. Nope. And, and when you look at it from a, if you just use variables, like person X was in a job, because person X was in a job, they have access to Y healthcare for the rest of their life. They may not need it or want it, but all they have to do is enroll. If you would tell this story, it makes me think if seven and 10 aren't enrolled, that's telling me something about their transition. That's telling me something about the thoroughness of that transition window and, and why there kind of needs to be a little bit of focus there. Are you all kind of seeing that too? Why that transition window can be, you know, rather uh, important in one's uh, future success then coming out? Yeah, I mean, you and I are both retirees and we had a relatively soft landing when we got out of the, the army. Uh, that's not the case for a lot of our clients. Like six, like the first week I saw this data point that said 67% of our clients had very poor or poor transitions, which was, I was shocked by that because I retired, my chain of command was supportive. They gave me the time of the calendar I needed to get to my appointments. Everything was very smooth and it went very well. And at the end of the day, I ended up with a healthcare program for life. Uh, so I, it went pretty well for me. But then there's people that, you know, they're, they're upended by their transition. Um, you know, we have one of our ambassadors as a 21 year PJ, and I believe he got injured in some training event. And the Air Force said, you can go on your way now. And it was just like, that was it. And that was that was all that he ever wanted to be. And then his transition was like before he could even do anything about it. So the transition depends a lot for different people. You know, and that transition can affect integration into the VA. Like I didn't enroll in the VA until two years after I retired. Because Goodness gracious. Because my boss, 
who is an old one, three seven five guy. He said, "You're being lazy." I said, "What are you talking about? I'm being lazy." I said, I, "I don't need healthcare. I have Tricare for life. I, I'm good. I have a job." He's like, "No, you're 40." He said, "Wait until you're my age, and you might have some more pricey procedures. That it's great to have an option that you can have this healthcare." Um, and I've already used it. I got hearing aids the other day. I was just like, I'm never getting hearing aids. And my wife was like, would you please get hearing aids? And it just made all the difference in the world. But hearing aids are like three grand. I went to the VA, had the best experience. I got hearing aids and that's that. Wow. Well, I thank you for that, Chuck. That's some that data point in and of itself. This handoff from the military to VA and this, okay, it's your problem. Okay, well, I'm not worrying about it till it is my it is. It is cataclysmic. And I think when we look at the colleges and universities, they, I think they do this better than anyone else. They get people to want to come. They've got everybody convinced you need a college degree, which that that is that is up to debate for, for some yeah. folks. Right. And then what do they do? They show the success of their alumni. But in the military, our recruiting is all come now, join for you. And we never close that loop to say, well, look at general so-and-so, look at command sergeant major so-and-so, look at sergeant first class so-and-so. They succeeded because of this. And we end up with this OODA loop of, nope, once your service is done, you're done. Figure I, it out. And the I, VA, the VA does not exist to be that communication continuum for the veteran. No, they might need to adapt to be that over time. And yeah. if they were smart, I think that is that's their value-added proposition back because the services have proven over a couple hundred years that they don't want to do it and haven't been able to do it. Although they've made, made some efforts, just yeah. abs absolutely amazing. Some of the numbers that you put out, let's, so if I'm an average American, then like, what can I do for stop soldier suicide? You're, you're getting, you're getting effects. You're growing, you're partnering, you go from national organization, looking local, and then building more localities. So how can how can someone get involved if this is a passion on on their heart? Well, they can get involved in a couple of ways. Uh, first, and maybe not the most obvious, is helping change the narrative and changing the stigma of mental health. Um, you know, it's I think it's getting better. Uh, I was really encouraged uh, when Afghanistan fell, and buddies are reaching out like, "Hey, how's everything going? You okay?" And I was doing the same. But, you know, I was in this line of work, so kind of expected for me. But people that I hadn't talked with for 10, 15 years, like, hey, sir, how are you doing? Everything OK? I'm like, yep, good. Thanks for checking. You know, so changing that narrative and just having the discussion of it's OK to not be OK. Um, and if you're not OK, it's it may not be your fault. You know, some of the physical uh, injuries, you know, some of the physical injuries that you see for like a, a missing limb are obvious. But there's some physical injuries that can happen to people's brains that is not so obvious. Uh, so just changing the narrative um, and then just being there for each other. You know, if you know somebody that's suffering, if you know someone that's going through a tough time, uh, just being there for them and encouraging to encouraging them to get support. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, in fact, I think it's more courageous to get help um, than to just suffer through it alone. You know, there's a guy I follow on LinkedIn. And last summer, he posted a picture of himself checking himself into Walter Reed Medical Emergency Services because of suicidal ideations. You know, like that's that's a, takes courage to me uh, to to do that to put yourself out there. Uh, but until we start changing the narrative, until we stop 
with the stigma of suicide, it's just it's an uphill battle. You know, it's uh, it, it's really difficult to uh, make a make a change. We don't change that. Uh, I agree. Depression is a human condition, much like joy, happiness, sadness, depression. Everybody has a level of it. Right. Like depression. And, and for some, it, it can take root. What we're working on with Ranger for Life is how do we look at the brain in, in terms of holistic strength training? Right. Why? Why would you see a counselor when you need help? That, that's common sense. So now we don't do the common sense thing because on the average day, we don't think that we need help from another human be being to work out our strongest asset. And it's amazing the rise of executive coaching, how companies are investing in other human beings to talk to their talent to get more out of them. Yep. Yet we are sometimes stuck in saying, if you need help, you need to talk to somebody. You've always needed to talk to somebody. That's the human condition is community. So I'll tell you, I'm, I'm we're behind you. Whatever we can do to help push out that narrative, it's you should be talking to somebody regularly, regardless for your performance. And if it comes to a bad time, then that's just naturally natural to bring that up. Yeah. And just having that natural, straightforward conversation. You know, don't don't think that if you bring up the word suicide or killing yourself, it's gonna make them more likely to do so because it doesn't, studies have proven otherwise. So if your buddy's in a tough spot, you know, just ask them, who, who is better equipped to find, find out where that person's at than somebody you, you served with in the military? You know, what, what closer bonds are there from guys and gals that have served together in uniform? Yeah, you're right, if you care, if you wanna show that you care, be open and honest, just like you said, go, go there. So I, I do, I can't let you go without, without adding this in terms of what y'all do. Y'all are a nonprofit. You do not receive government funding. So let's talk about it. If, if there's corporations, if there's people who want to support, you have individual programs an average American can kind of give to and be a part of. And I think you got some corporate things. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Absolutely. So from an individual perspective, probably the most impactful thing is to follow us on Facebook. Um, we have almost 600,000 followers now. And in 2020, when COVID locked everything down, we had to be nimble uh, and figure out how to raise revenue. Uh, so we started with challenges on Facebook. And we've been very blessed. Um, it's allowed us to grow and scale. You know, as our CEO says, you know, we set the vision, you set the pace. Like our mission is to reduce veteran suicide to civilian parity by 2030. But what that looks like, you know, when we do the math for how many wellness coordinators we're going to need, need and what our team composition needs to be, you know, there's several X growth over the next few years uh, to meet that need. So we're blessed with the individual giving on Facebook. Uh, we do have some cor corporations um, that are that are, you know, do with their employee resource groups. Uh, that they're getting involved and making some sizable donations. Um, and then we're also getting more involved with some uh, grant opportunities uh, that are available across the U.S. Well, I, I think if anybody wants to donate to an organization not like Stop Soldier Suicide, but Stop Soldier Suicide, what I just heard is you're going to take money and you're going to pay people to help people. 
because that's what it takes. It's not a brick and mortar. It's another person who can be there on the phone. It's somebody who can walk that person into the clinic, as you kind of kind of mentioned uh, earlier. And whether you want to look at that for-profit, non-profit, it's going to take other human beings caring for other human beings. It, it, it really does. And when you look at the impacts of what being able to grow our team does. So I'll just I'll just throw out a number. So say fifty thousand dollars, right? That would allow us to you know roughly hire another wellness coordinator or get close. If that wellness coordinator, any one given time, is managing forty cases, it's been studied that each suicide can affect up to one hundred and thirty-five people. So if you consider that impact, that one person who's going to prevent forty suicides times one hundred and thirty-five lives that are impacted. You know, it's it's beyond just hiring that one person. You know, it's beyond a warm body to perform a role. It's it's allowing families to not have to ask why. You know, it's 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 preventing thousands of families from not asking what could I have done differently? Why weren't there any warning signs? What did I miss for warning signs? You know, so that your know, money is once you start drilling down into the impact. It goes well beyond the just one person filling a job. And it goes well beyond just the one veteran that is considering an irreversible uh, decision. Well, for this Veterans Day, once again, we couldn't have a, a better organization represented. We couldn't have a better person here speaking with us, Chuck. Thank you so much. I hope that you take time today. We celebrate your service. We celebrate every veteran service. More importantly, we celebrate the idea of service. For sure. Right? Service to our fellow man and woman. Service for something greater than ourselves. So I will end with this, Chuck. Thank you. If you're out there today and you're listening, please, you can visit Stop Soldier Suicide on every social media platform and the web as well to learn a little bit more. Learn about their scientific target methodology to reduce soldier suicide. And that's all veterans and all active duty suicide. As we leave today, take some time today, this Veterans Day, and serve someone else. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed a Morley podcast with Tony May, and we appreciate your viewership. If you'd like to hear more from Tony or one of his guests, you can view or listen to past episodes at tonymain.podbean.com. Until next time, be a community builder for America.